This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And so today, I titled this Three Bible Keys to Victory in 2021. Three Bible Keys for Victory in 2021. And of course, uh, Bible Keys are for all the time, but uh, to identify where we are since it was such a ugly year in so many ways for so many people. You might have had a lot of ugly things in your life you didn't like, but let's let's just realize we're getting ready to close the books on this one. And we're writing a new chapter of life. And so look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And, you know, I, I realized when I started, I, start, I started preaching back in 1981, but I, I realized when I started pastoring as a pastor in 1992, after a while I, I realized that people come to church not just to hear good sermons, to get answers. And so I've never, ever, ever in my whole life had somebody's famous book of sermons. I've never read somebody's sermons to preach them. I always, 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 for all my preaching life, have talked to Jesus. And I've always said things like this. Jesus... I asked you to look into the future, see who's going to be in that service that day. And now I've changed how I pray that because people watch it. And people are going to be looking at these in the future, not just this morning, but people might be watching this after we're raptured. What's that again? How many of here know there's going to be a rapture coming? That we're really close to it. And so now I'm conscious that when I'm praying about what to preach, that there's people that will watch this. After we're gone. There's people that tune into this a month from now, six months from now. And so I'm always very sensitive before I preach to make sure that, number one, I've got the exact message he wants for the people he knows are going to watch it. And then, number two, that I've got the anointed God on me so it's got life in it when I preach it. And so this 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 here for 2021, it works all the time. But there's some things this morning the Lord wants me to show you specifically as we're closing the books on this one to get to 2021, to have a fresh breath from God blowing on our life. That's so to speak, like blowing the wind in a sailboat to help us take off, go the right direction with the power of God behind us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul said, if you want to, read this out loud with me. Let's read these first couple of verses together. I know i got a King James. It's on the screen there, so you'll be able to see it too. But let's read this together. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. Paul said, one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things from 2020. And reaching forth to those things in 2021, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm, my goal, my goal is to get closer to Jesus. My goal is to know his plan better. My goal is to do what he wants me to do in 2021 better. And so today... I want to talk about how to close out 2020 and enter into 2021 with faith and joy. You know, if you're breathing, 
I know a lot of people have a hard time breathing right now with the things going on. But if you're alive, if you've got life in your body, you're going to go into 2021 anyway. But why not go into 2021 with expectancy, with faith, with joy, and been able to say things like this. I don't know what all lies ahead of me in 2021, but I know this. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know I can have what I say because Jesus told me. So I say that 2021 is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And if it tries not to be, I know how to change it because my faith can move mountains. Amen. With faith and joy. And so, as, 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 as looking into 2021, how to close out this year. Now, what I'm getting ready to say is important because some of you still got too much of the world left in your thinking. I call that stinking thinking. And so, I'm not talking about coming into this new year like the world does and making resolutions. Talk about how you're going to change. You're going to change how you eat. You're going to change how you exercise. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm not talking to what the world says like that, making making all these natural goals. Of course, some of them would be spiritual goals. I'm talking about walking every day with Jesus Christ and growing spiritually as a disciple of Christ. And can I tell you something? I've got to watch too many bunny trails so we, got, we can't stay here a long time because of, we're following guidelines to get out. Uh, if you have your number one goal of being a better disciple, I promise you, if you need to lose weight, You'll lose weight. If you want to be more disciplined in your prayer life, in your church life, if that's your number one goal, I promise you it'll be the best prayer you've ever had. If you want to be a person that says, I want to be a consistent church attender, if you make your goal to follow Jesus Christ, you won't even have to think about, can I go to church today? You just be here so strong. It'll just be a red light that if you're thinking about doing something else, the red light will stop. You say, no, i got to get to church because I'm following Jesus. If you want to be a better husband, better wife, better, 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 better parent, better employer or employee, if Jesus Christ is your goal to be Lord of your life, I promise you, you'll be the best boss anybody ever worked for. You'll be the best employee they ever had. Or if you want better health, your health would be so much better if Jesus Christ is truly Lord of your life. You put him first. On and on and on and on. So in other words, what I'm saying, the world makes resolutions they try to do in the flesh. And the Bible tells us your flesh is your enemy. How can your enemy help you do something for God? Your enemy is against God. Amen. 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 And then besides that, those natural things that you want to do to be healthier and things like it, all the exercise, all the discipline like that. The devil doesn't want you healthy. He doesn't want your marriage blessed. He doesn't want your money blessed. So these things you do in the natural, but just try to do the natural side and not the spiritual side first. Well, in the natural, you're no match for the devil. But if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, put him first. You'll knock the devil off every time. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting already. Amen. I'll tell you what, right, right there you've got enough to go home on. And we didn't really get into the meat of the message at all yet. And so I want you to notice two things Paul said. Verse 13. Forgetting those things which are behind. And listen to this. This means don't focus 
on the past. The past is called history. You're writing the future right now. You're writing the next chapter of your life. So history is good to learn from, but don't allow it to depress the here and the now. I'll tell you what, when the COVID started, most of you know I was quarantined down in the Amazon jungle. And it was very, 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 very unpleasant. That doesn't even seem like me that happened to now. That's history. That's like reading a book, a chapter of some missionary's life or something like that. Because I don't think about it. I don't think about what it was. I don't think about the miracles God did to get me back to America and things like that. And so why should I focus on that? I don't, I don't think about all, all the family times I didn't get to have this year. I don't think about all the good restaurants I didn't get to go to. I don't think about all the softball games I didn't watch our teams win. I don't think about any of that stuff there. I think about Jesus. I focus on Jesus. So I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting things of 2020. Those things are history now. And then he said, he said, then reaching forth, reaching forth unto those things which are before. <clears throat> this means, and this is how I live. I'm going to close 2020 with communion and begin 2021 with communion. You know what communion is? Communion comes from the word communication, which is part of fellowshipping. And so I'm going to close 2020 fellowship with Jesus at the Lord's Supper. I'm going to open 2021 with Jesus at the Lord's Supper. And so everything that was good or not good, I will leave at the feet of Jesus. You can't camp out on the victories you had this year. There's so many people, they live in the land of, oh, I just wish I had the good old days back. Oh, back to the good old days. I love the good old days. But right now, I want to have good new days. And so I'm going to stay hooked up strongly with Jesus. And I'm looking forward. I'm not looking backwards to the good old days. Talk about sometimes it's nice to talk about. But man, I'm not living there anymore. You know, I was, I was a truck driver at one time. I drove 18-wheelers. Don't tell anybody, but I drove 18-wheelers for 28 years. I drove them for a long, long time. And in my 18-wheelers, my windshield was a whole lot bigger than my mirrors. If I would have focused on just those mirrors, what was behind me all the time, I'd have crashed. I had to look through the big windshield what was coming to be able to handle life. And so if if you don't look forward a whole lot more than you're looking back, you're going to crash in life. Amen. And so you've got to look forward to the future so you can guide through it. And let the Holy Spirit show you where to go and what to do. And so everything that was good and everything was not good, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, for the good stuff. And things that wasn't good, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, you brought me through it. Amen. I'm not just a survivor. I'm a thriver. And that's the way it's going to be. And so anyway, I want, I want to look at some things that will help you in these goals. Look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And, you know, I, I think something that would help you, I can't do it now because of time. I think with over the next few days, if you would really slowly, in your quiet time, go through Second Peter chapter 3. It talks about the end times, the last days, a lot of things going on right now. A lot of things is getting ready to happen in the earth in Second Peter chapter 3. 
If you'll study that out, I think it'll give you faith and encourage you and help you. But anyway, I want to look at verse 17 and verse 18. And this is part of what the Apostle Paul said of reaching forth to those things which are before of that goal of following Christ Jesus. And so verse 17 says this, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, as so Second Peter chapter 3 tells you what's coming. The fire is going to burn out the earth, and new heaven, new earth is going to be created, and all those things are going to happen, judgment. It says, sin, you know these things, beware. Whatever the Bible says, beware, that's a warning sign. You know some of these traffic lights now, they have the red light flashing for a while before it actually turns red. It's warning, get ready. Traffic is getting ready to start up again that other direction. Don't run this. Beware. Beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Beware. Don't caught up, don't get so caught up in the natural life that you backslide. This would be the wrong time in history for a Christian to backslide and go back the other way. He says, but, on the contrary, instead of backsliding, grow. Grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, it talks about knowledge. Knowledge means you're knowing something, learning something. Let me ask you this. Are you going to grow in a lot of knowledge of Jesus by focusing on Facebook all the time? There's a lot of good knowledge of Jesus on Facebook. Is there a lot of good knowledge of Jesus on the, on the uh, cable news? There's a lot of good knowledge of Jesus on the Internet. There's a lot of hatred, Christian bashing, Jewish bashing, American bashing, strife, discord, ugly, horrible, faith-stilling stuff on all those things there. Where are you going to find the knowledge of Jesus in the right way that's going to help you grow? In your Bible and in your church. And so if you're going to make a goal of this year, Paul said he's going to press forward towards the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. That tells me there needs to be a lot of turning off of some computers. And iPhones. And de-Facebook. Amen. And a whole lot more of opening up your Bible at home. Coming to church services where the Word of God is taught. If that's your goal. You know, because if you were setting a resolution like the world does, that uh, I'm going to lose X amount of pounds this year, then you do some natural things. You say, I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut off sweets. I'm going to quit drink, drinking soda. I'm not eating ice cream like I used to. You're doing some natural things. Well, if you've got a spiritual goal that you're going to get closer to Jesus, you're going to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, you're going to have to start doing something like that. I'm going to shut off these other things to have more Bible time. I'm going to shut off these other things that's still in my faith because I'm not going to fall away with the error of the wicked. I'm going to stay steadfast. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. And these things that lie about Christians and, and lie about America and lie about Jesus, that are still in my faith anymore. I'm not going to listen to them. That's, that's the right time to clap. Wow. Uh, Pastor Dave, are we on a 30-second time delay of the service? <laughs> well, you watch all these people where they do these virtuals and everything like that. You'll see somebody say something. 
Then all of a sudden, a few seconds later, the other person responds. Hey, come out of time delay. We're in lifetime. Amen. And so anyway, he says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so anyway, I don't know about you, but, but I purpose in my heart to have one go that I commit to Jesus. In other words, I'm talking to Jesus at my communion time and, and tell Jesus, Jesus, this is my go. I will do all, Jesus, that I can do to grow spiritually. And I will be obedient to seek you and follow your plan for my life. I thought about a goal, not a resolution. You know, Jesus can help you when you make spiritual goals that are in line with his word. Jesus you know, something, something that I think we as Christians lose sight of too many times. Eternity really is real. Heaven really is real. Hell's real. Eternity's forever. And I know that for me, the more conscious I get when I get around older people I do business with sometimes that I meet out in the world that are older, I tell you what, my heart cries when I can tell they're not saved. So I think, man, this person here, I mean, you know, we know young people die sometimes too, but you meet somebody that's in their 80s and they're cussing and hating and carrying on, you know, these people don't know Jesus. And so I know that I've always had my antenna up for the lost, but especially now, the older I get and I see older people, I always think, what can I do to find common ground to be able to share the gospel? What can I do to help these people so when they take that last breath, and people are at their funeral, whether there's a coffin there or whether there's an urn with ashes in it there and just pictures up there on a table or something like that. And they may talk about all the great things they've accomplished. Man, they had 42 years of Fort Irwin or they worked on the railroad for 35 years and all this kind of stuff. They had all these kids and all these grandkids. They made all this money. They accomplished all this good stuff in society. They did all these social things like that. But as a Christian... When I see people like that, and I see nothing in their legacy there that says anything at all that they knew Jesus Christ, I just think this is so sad that all these people are saying all these good things now, but where's this person really at? I don't know, because I'm not inside of them, and I'm not Jesus, but I know one thing, it's a whole lot more joyful for me. I see somebody, maybe they didn't have all the fame, they didn't have all the good stuff people are saying about it. But those people were a good Christian. They went to church. They loved their neighbor. They gave to Christian causes. They shared the love of Christ. They did what God wanted them to do. And I know now forever and ever and ever and ever they're going to be in heaven. And so I'm just saying, my goal for me personally is to follow God's plan for my life even more fine-tuned. Being able to grow as a Christian still. I'm still growing. And the reason being, number one, I want to please Jesus. But number two, I want my life to be a picture. Because Paul said our lives are like an open book. People read us. I want people to see me and say, I want to be like Pastor Samples because he's like Jesus. I want to be like him. I don't want to be like him because he was a good truck driver. I don't want to be like him because he, because he was a good grandpa and all that kind of stuff there. I want to be like him because he's like Jesus. Amen. That's what's going to count. And so, that's my goal. That's my goal is to follow him. And so anyway, 
I always like to remind you, the Bible in many places gives examples and tells us God's outline. I call the Bible God's general plan for everyone. God has a general plan for the whole world. And the number one thing is get born again. That's the first step for a human being to get into the will of God. Because until you're born again, you're not in the will of God. And then once you're born again, then God has a general plan in the Bible that's for every Christian what he wants Christians to do. And then also, as we are serious disciples of Christ, and we build our lives around the plan of God as outlined in the Bible, the plan of God is outlined in the Bible, as we begin to build our life around that, then something really wonderful happens. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to our heart, and we start knowing, here's what God wants me to do. And you know, I think about a guy like Dennis Copey. Dennis, how many years were you on that job? Forty-four years on a job, but he was a man of God, a Christian man, a godly man. And I know Dennis, like me, not a perfect man, but he had Christian character. As for all those years there, those people he worked with, he wasn't called to be a preacher like me, but he's called to be a believer on that job. All those years, I can guarantee you, all those years, those people knew this is a man of God. They knew that this is Dennis Copey. And I'm going to say it again. I know Dennis is like me. If you saw me every day, you'd find out I'm not perfect. But I do my best to do right what Jesus wants me to do. And Christians influence more people by accident than they do on purpose. I talk about real Christians. Because when we're not out there cussing and getting mad all the time, throwing things, throwing fits, when we do our best to arrive, arrive on our jobs early, Stay long enough to get the job done, not there for a paycheck, but there because we follow Jesus. We do those kind of things. People are watching us all the time. I look at Mike and Betty right there, man, met on their job over there. Betty was the boss, right? Was she your boss? She's not your boss now? Well, you're, you're a different man than I am. Okay, I thought I was thinking she was your boss. But anyway, they met on their job there, and, and Betty... With with the, the godly character of Christ that she lives. I've known Betty now for all the years I've been here in California. Fifteen years I've known her. Betty is a godly Christian example on that job there. And she, she can preach. And she can sing and lots of good things. But her main thing is she's a very wonderful employee. And she influenced that man. Led him to Jesus. Got, got him in the right phase then married him. <laughs> Girls, that's a word for you. Man, make sure they're caught first before you land them. I mean, caught by Jesus. Make sure they're Christians first. And then you marry them. But the thing is, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is this, that on the job side out there, you do more that you don't know you're doing just by living for Jesus than the people out there reading off the three by five cards. Uh, let me ask you these three questions. What would you do if you died today? You ever been witnessed to by somebody like that reads the cards to you? <laughs> Nah, we live it, and we have great influence. And so that needs to be our goal, is to follow Him. But as we're living that way, you're living according to the general will of God. We'll look at some of those things. You go to church, you tithe, just things you do as Christians. But as you're following Jesus, 
all of a sudden in your heart, you're starting to know, wow, this is the direction God wants me to go. He doesn't want me to have that job. He wants me to go this way. Or maybe somebody greatly influenced you that there's a career, career choice you were supposed to take and you did it, but always hated it. But you did it because if man got great benefits, man, great money, you'll make more money there than you ever have. Great benefits. Oh, what a future you got there. Oh, this is a future. But you hate every day of going into that job. You hate it every day. And then you're born again. As you follow Jesus, you start knowing your heart. You find out why you hated it because it wasn't God's plan. And so maybe you'll take a pay cut and things totally change. But all of a sudden, every day is a joy to go in. Man, you love what you're doing. You're walking in the glory of God. You're walking in the anointing of God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And people see you, instead of being a depressed person, where you're at in life now, you're a joyful person. Because you're in the will of God. And so I said that, as we're looking at the word today, is this. Number one, to fine-tune and get tweaked in your spirit what the personal plan of God is for your life. See, God's got a general plan for everybody, but you'll never really know His perfect plan for you till you get lined up with the general plan, the Word of God. So as you begin to line your life up and make decisions day by day, and for me, I've been trained this way for over 40 years, my first thought is, when I'm making decisions, especially serious decisions, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? And so then, as you're following the written plan, then all of a sudden, you'll start noticing in your heart, you're starting to feel led to go this direction in life. And I'll tell you what, when you start living according to the written plan, you're going to know who you're supposed to marry. Talk to you single people. You're going to start knowing who you're supposed to marry. You're going to start knowing how many babies Jesus wants you to have. Amen. You know, some people have one, two babies that want it. Some people like Mrs. Pastor, I went up of eight. And, uh, man, by the time they get married, bring some of those grandbabies to your house. We only had about half of them here, but man, we, uh oh, we're on the camera, aren't we? Uh, we had a lot of people. <laughs> But that's because God led us to have a lot of babies, but we let Jesus be the one that put in our hearts how many to have. And so, if you have one or two, hallelujah. If you have a dozen, hallelujah. But you have the babies God wants you to have. I've got a whole lot of babies that have grown up now that are serving God and influencing a lot of people. Praise God for that. And so I'm saying, you'll know the personal plan of God for your life. As you get hooked up with the written word of God, follow that plan. Now, there's, there's three passages, just verses I'm going to look at to show you some things from the Bible that's going to help you really open up 2021 in a great way. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. And I realized as I read this that this kind of pertained to America today, but that wasn't my thought. With the Holy Spirit have me open up this way for what we're looking at this morning. Uh, my thing is, there's, some, there's, there's, there's a principle here. I'm going to look at these three passages this morning. That if you get a hold of this, you will be able to attain that goal this year. Of allowing Jesus to really be Lord of your life. To where you really live a very blessed life. An influential life. A happy life. And a life that produces not only for the kingdom of God, but produces in everything you do. 
And so this chapter here tells about this. And I was looking at this this morning. A little history on this chapter to get to this verse we're looking at. And I realized how political life has always been. Daniel went to this country as a captive from Israel. But then Daniel, because of the favor of God, was promoted into politics. And he become one of the, I was thinking about you, he had some of those levels just talking about the fort. Well, as you read this here, this, this king, Darius, appointed some presidents, people that don't level down under him. And out of these presidents, that was like people in the cabinet. And Daniel's a foreigner, and these other guys are lifelong politicians. And so this king, Darius, because of the anointing of God, the call of God on Daniel's life, he made Daniel the head president over the presidents. They didn't like this. That'd be dead like politicians see somebody get put up in the captain position or the position of life. They say, who's he think he is? I'm going to do everything that can to bring him down. I don't like him. He doesn't deserve this position. So these other leaders under King Darius said, we got to find some way to smear him. Some way to slander him. Something to do so King Darius will fire him. We don't like him being our boss. And so said, and then it says, well, the only thing we're going to find is something to do with how he serves his God. Because his God was the true God and they had the other God. So all we can do is find some way. So he said, King Darius, make a law that anybody that prays to some God instead of esteeming you, King Darius, as their God. We're going to make a law. Anybody that does, they're going to get thrown into the den of lions. How many know the Daniel lions den? So the whole thing was, it was politics. They didn't like Daniel being in that position because he wasn't a Christian, but he was a believer for, under the old covenant. So we're going to make a law. If, he, if anybody catches him praying, he has to get thrown into the lions den. And so then I want you to notice now in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed to that law, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He didn't change his lifestyle because of persecution. He didn't change his lifestyle because of politics. He wasn't a hypocrite. He said, well, you know, I think I remember how to pray. Uh, it's been a long time since I prayed, but I think I remember how. And so just to rub it in their faces, supposed to pray to Darius? Nope, I'm going to pray. That would be a hypocrite if you don't pray anyway. He said he did what he'd been doing before. His lifestyle, he said, was praying. He said, I'm not going to change and go against the Word of God, because the Bible, even in the, in the Old Testament, over and over again, tells you to get on your knees, pray, give thanks to God, acknowledge Him as Lord, and all those different things it says. And so they passed a law, said don't do that. And so Daniel simply said, I've got a lifestyle. I pray. I'm not going to change praying because somebody threatened me. It's my lifestyle. That's what I do. I don't pray to be religious. I pray because I'm a believer. Amen. And so anyway, Daniel was disciplined spiritually. I've talked about your 2021. Daniel was disciplined spiritually. He did what he always did. He developed a lifestyle of prayer and thanksgiving to God. That was his lifestyle. 
That one is setting up an SOS every time he gets in trouble. You ever know anybody like that? The SOS Christians? Help, 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 Jesus. I'll do it this time. Oh, bail me out again, Jesus. I'm going to start going to church. Man, I've seen so many thousands of those over the year. That usually lasts about a month. Sometimes I see some go two or three months. And then all of a sudden, you don't see them for two or three years. And they're back in. And you kind of get to the place where you know that somebody said, hey, are they in trouble again? They came back. And so they come back. God blesses them. They want to testify. They get up here. They tell what God did for them. Say, man, I'm, I'm going to do everything God wants to. I'm here. Blah, 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 blah. And then people that are mature Christians, they kind of watch and say, well, we're praying. We hope it works this time. They've done this half a dozen times. Well, how long they last this time? It's called discipline. And so he was a disciplined believer. Built that lifestyle. So good times or bad times, that's his lifestyle. He fellowships with God. And so I've done this for 41 years. I was consistent in 2020. I'm going to continue to live this way in 2021. This is God's plan. We're talking about the written plan. This is God's plan for all of us in 2021 and every year. Develop a consistent prayer routine, not legalistic, but a time to fellowship. A time to fellowship with Jesus. You know, that's the way I've lived all my Christian life. My prayer my prayer time is not the Jimmy prayer. Here I am, God. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Oh, Lord, bless our four no more. You know, I do ask for things sometimes and talk about things. But my prayer time is mostly fellowshipping with Jesus, reading my Bible, talking to him like I'm talking to you, like I talk to my wife, having a conversation with Jesus. And therefore, it's not legalistic. I don't have a big prayer list where I got them written down and I go through the whole list, mumbling off a bunch of stuff and just saying this person, this person, this person, this person, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, and go through the legalistic list. I pray and the Holy Spirit is my prayer partner. And when I'm praying, I honestly say, Jesus, is there anybody specific today that you need me to pray for? Is there anything going on you want me to pray for, Jesus? Because Jesus needs people on earth led by the Spirit to pray for things he wants prayed for from earth. Amen? So that's my prayer time. It's not legalistic. And because it's not legalistic, if something happens or life gets a hold of me and I get busy, I don't have any really good quality times for three or four or five days, I don't beat myself in the head and kick myself behind and say, oh man, you're backslid now. It's over now. You're in trouble with God. Because all day long I'm praying anyway. I'm talking to him. But I talk about those quality times here where you close everything out. And Jesus said, that's called entering into your prayer closet. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you go to your prayer closet, I like this. He said, your father that sees in secret gives you open reward. So in other words, what takes place behind closed doors between you and God is what people see blessing on out in life. Amen. And so that is, that is the general will of God for all believers is to have your own private prayer life. And so look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke 
And, you know, I, I, I realized years ago when I heard it said about, uh, I forget which one it was, Pastor Dave can tell you, he knows all the church history about those, the Luther and uh, Sturgeon, all those famous preachers years going by. Somebody asked one of them, said, 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 how much do you pray? I bet, I, I bet you pray, I bet you pray hours and hours a day. And he said, uh, well, I, I don't ever pray over, you know, a couple, two or three minutes. He said, but I don't go two or three minutes without praying. In other words, prayer is a constant thing. Sometimes you have some deeper, longer sessions in private, but prayer is just simply having a conversation with Jesus. And so I don't go very long every day without praying because I'm in constant communication, talking all the time. But sometimes I'm behind closed doors. I developed a habit years ago because I have a house full of kids. I've had earplugs in my ears to block the noise out so I can listen to my inner man. Did that this morning. Man, I had a bunch of them in there this morning running around. I don't know what all they're doing. But I had the bedroom door locked. Had my Bible open. Looking at what I was going to preach to you about. And I had the earplugs in. So I could hear, all I could hear was some distant rumble. Because that's my prayer closet. That was a different kind of prayer. But Luke chapter 4, verse 16 and we're looking, we're looking at a principle here that talking about Jesus it says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And so Jesus noticed that he's like Daniel said, says Daniel went there to pray as he always did. It says Jesus went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus had the church habit developed. Says that was his habit. That's his routine. That's what he did. That's a part of his life. Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And so this is God's general plan for all his children. He wants us to regularly come to his house. Do you know that they call churches the house of God? I mean, I love it. When my family comes to visit me in my house, you know, it's nice talking to my family on the, we got the FaceTime stuff and everything now, man, the Jetsons age come to pass. You ever watched the Jetsons 50 years ago or 60? Well, that happens now. You know, the Maxwell Smart with the chew phone and everywhere you go, you got a phone and everything like that. I love it to visit on FaceTime, but I love it when my children come to my house. Well, if our Heavenly Father is the number one Father, don't you think He loves it when His children come to His house? I, I know He loves it when He gets to visit you at your house, but He loves to look down at, to me, every church service there is, from the Father's perspective, He says, oh great, another family reunion. You notice, union, unity, coming together again in unity. And so it says, Jesus... Our spiritual example, as his custom was. Did you know that Jesus was God in an earth suit? And the Bible tells us, even in start off the book of Luke, we've been reading that in our Bible studies. It says that Jesus grew in grace. Jesus grew in his knowledge of the, of the old covenant back then. It says Jesus grew, and so Jesus in an earth suit had to grow. He knew the best way to grow was not only study himself, but to go to church. You know, I'm talking, I'm talking to you believers. If your number one goal is going to be like mine is to grow spiritually, 
We just said the Bible says to do it. You can't just do it your own way. You got to do it God's way. And so that's the general plan. It was as directly come to his house. And so I'm going to continue to do what I've done as my custom has been 41 years. I will be in church every Sunday, Wednesday at special meetings. Why am I going to do that? I want to be a strong Christian. I want to be a good spiritual example, spiritual leader. So I'm going to walk in spiritual discipline and follow the example of Jesus. I want to give you a story of a man that turned out to be a Marine. And I won't say anything about him visiting here from New York, sitting in the front row. But he wasn't always a mighty man of God and a mighty Marine. And this is an example for you about how to grow spiritually. When this young guy was about five years old, we got him in the Little League because he was an athletic guy from the time he was born. Man, I think he ran around the delivery room. Whew. But anyway, at Little League, first year there, in Little League, he liked to do all that stuff. I remember the first few games, had him out in right field. Said, well, my kids always got put in right field first. I guess that's the best position for my kids. But they were good. Look out there. And the game's going on, and Joseph Bernard Samples is sitting around there backwards looking at this out there, playing in the dirt. And so then, when it's bad time, everything do it, the coach is trying to tell him how to do stuff like that. And I told him, I was leaving, I said, Joe, you've got to listen to your coach doing this. I know more than he does. This is a true story. Joe may not remember this, but I was the dad. I was there. And Everett's going to have some stories for you, too. You tell your stories later. This is my turn. And so I remember Joe, that first season, his whole thing was he knew it all. He's, he's just starting off. There's Christians think that I know more than that preacher. I know it all. Well, you're going to find out you get kicked on your butt a few times. You don't know anything. But anyway, I've had the later life. So as Joe grew up and matured, Here in California, we got a church softball team. And Joe really, really, really wanted to be the best at everything he could do. So he started downloading videos on YouTube, looking at books and the Internet about how to position yourself to catch a fly ball. How to position yourself for batting, how to hit it, place hit, all the stuff. He looked at people that were better than him. He studied those things to where our church church softball team Joe helped train us so many people that thing in the outfield, infield, how to bat. Robert, you always did an excellent job. Still do if you're still in it this next round. But anyway, man. And so Joe, Joe studied people that knew what to do and how they did it. And Joe started knowing the players of the other teams that he was in the outfield. Joe would know who was up there, who we had pitched, and where these guys were going to hit it. Because he studied what to do. And then Joe, when he's up there, he would see who was on base. He would know how fast our base runners were that were on a base. And so Joe would know, I'm going to place hit this right over the shortstop into center field. Or Joe would know, I'm going to hit a long fly ball towards right field. And I can bring that guy in. He studied what to do to do it to become a better ball player. And so if you want to be a better Christian, let's study the Daniels. And the Jesus of what is on earth, what they did. And we'll show, that'll show us how to position ourselves to catch the blessing. Amen. How to use our faith to hit it out there so we can bring somebody else home. That's good preaching, Joe. Amen. And so, 
My custom's been, because I've followed great men and women of faith, not only in this world I can follow people, because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I follow preachers and believers that have good Christian fruit. At a common denominator, they have their own disciplined prayer life consistently. They go to church, not just, what's, what's that thing you guys call it now, just at Easter and Christmas time? They got a word for that, whatever it is. I don't just go on Easter and Christmas. I go to church all the time. Not just because I'm the preacher, because a lot of times I'm not preaching, I'm receiving. But anyway, I do that. And so that's because 2021 is going to be my best year ever. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And the last verse I want to look at is Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, we're starting to see a good common denominator. You'll see it here in chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. They went at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, which was actually three o'clock in the afternoon. And so Peter and John went up together. They didn't just have a private prayer life, but together. They went up to prayer at the hour of prayer. And so the temple, the believers there, had a set time where they prayed together. And so for me, as soon as our Sunday night 5 p.m. prayer time starts back up, I will come together into Victory Hall at every opportunity to be with my church family so I can pray in unity. Can I speak to that little demon that's talking to some of you right now? I'm not rebuking you. I'm speaking to that little demon. I hear his little whiny voice right now. I can pray at home just to get to you. I pray at home all the time. Well, if you like the example set in the book of Acts and in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there's much more power generated from heaven when believers come together and pray together. Well, I can pray just in the home. I got a pretty good prayer life at home, too. And now that my home is over a half hour up the road, you don't know what a sacrifice it is to come down 30-mile drive to pray at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. That's a sacrifice. But you know what? The power of God that comes forth from believers, read the book of Acts. When they were together with one accord in one place, Tons of fire came down from heaven. One accord in one place, they won the whole city. So next time that old demon tells you, well, I can pray good at home. So, yeah, that's right, devil. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to go pray for my family. I'm doing better preaching than you are clapping. Amen. And so anyway, God's written plan is for believers to not only have their personal prayer life, but to have the body of Christ together prayer life, to pray together. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. God wants us to be Christians hooked up with the family because there's power comes out of those prayer meetings. And so in closing... The common denominator, I want you to notice that Daniel, Jesus, 
Peter and John developed a spiritual routine and discipline that revolved around personal prayer, consistent church attendance and Bible study, and then church family prayer meetings, praying together as a family. And so that's my goal still. After all these years, I'm going to be a believer that studies and prays at home. I'm going to be a believer that comes all the time to church to study and pray with my church family. And I'm going to be a believer that comes to church as often as I can for prayer meetings and be praying with my church family. Why is that? I want the power of God oozing from my personal life to win the lost, to help me live a disciplined life. And I want the power of God oozing from this church to come out and win this region and the people God's called us to. And so that's the thing. It's called discipline and routine, and you stick with it. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 